I think everybody has like a favorite terrible YouTube genre. Yeah, I haven't found mine yet, but really, there's plenty of time and plenty of videos. I was over at Gary's and we were watching like these Russian guys do like slap fights. Okay. They were just like huge Russian man hitting each other in the face with an open hand as hard as they could. A lot of vodka involved. I don't think they were drinking. Huh. But like the point was to see if you could take it's either like three or five hits and then without going down and somebody always goes down. It's it was horrifying. You mean like involuntarily goes down? Yeah, like like, like, like they're like, they're stunned so bad that they cannot stay conscious like anymore. Minor brain injury type going down. I would say that these people are pretty strong candidates for for uh, uh, concussive the concussive syndrome. Wow, yes, it's not. It, look, I'm not endorsing this. We've come a long way since grocery hauls, right? Mention op- cold open mentions are not endorsements. Yes, yeah, that's fair. Um. I've been watching gender reveal. Oh boy. Fails. Okay. As somebody who has recent, fairly recently, my kid is seven now, mm. so it's not recent, but yeah. I find the gender reveal to be a uh, 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 foreign and terrifying and completely unnecessary concept. It's 2020's uh, hottest trend. It seems. Uh, it seems like everybody's talking about it. I don't yeah. know. We can't go very far on social media. these days I was on the bus the other day. Somebody mocking one of these events. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm all for celebrating the impending birth of your child. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. I think lighting shit on fire or burning something down or exploding something sometimes is hilarious, but is always a bad idea. I didn't know you were going to go straight there, but I was going to say it seems like people blow themselves up an awful lot in the the pursuit of flamboyant reveals. I don't I'm I'm not a fan of the gender reveal tragedy. Mm -hmm. I just want the the light fail. (laughs) It's a bad way to start the life of your unborn if you're soon to yeah, be born child and your child before they're born, <laughs> it's not a, a good killing idea. a parent or other family member in the course of wow, celebrating that, that, their... this got dark. Yeah. Welcome to um, welcome to 2020. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. The, welcome to the new new. To another episode of Brad and Will Made a Tech Pod. I'm Will. Thanks for having me. I'm Brad. Why, why are you thinking your, your name's in the title? Always a pleasure to be here in oh, my own in my own house. I was welcoming them, not you. At my own uh, dining table. You're, 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 you're welcoming with me. This table has been in my family for... Really? Since at least the 70s. Did it make the journey across the uh, yeah. across the this continent? Is, this is my grandmother's old... Uh, oh, really? You could probably... You could find a picture of me at the age of like six in my underwear reading the Sears catalog looking at pictures of Nintendo games. Oh, man. I... I um I have my grandmother's old dining room table chairs. Okay. And there's a picture of me, I'm sure, sitting in those chairs looking at the Sears catalog, looking at Kenner Star Wars toys probably five years before you were... Your picture was taken. That part of the country is well known for nice furniture. Yeah. It turns out. Yeah. But I'm, you don't want to kind of hang on to that stuff. Yeah. Those those central, those east Eastern Valley folk make a good chair. It's, it's fine woodworking. Um, I'm, I'm ready for some fine emails. Oh, I love a fine email. This we're, week. we're doing an email episode early this week. Uh, we're going to, you want to tell them how the sausage is made? Uh, sure. We record two episodes at a time mm-hmm. and we realized it's efficient. We realized, well, we realized we were recording an email episode after we recorded another episode. So that means when you guys sent questions in about one episode, they would not be reflected in the episode that immediately followed that was about emails yes. the next week. So we didn't want anybody to think we were ignoring their emails. No, no. And then by the time we got to those again, it had been like five weeks and it was too long to do that. Anyway, so yep. 
So we're flip-flopping it, but we're back to monthly emails after this Sometimes month. you drop the emails on the floor, and then you got to bleach them and put them back uh, on the conveyor belt. It's the worst. And grind them into the... And make podcast make nuggets out of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so here we are. What do we got emails-wise? Emails. This week, got a bunch here. Oh, I like emails. Uh, I'm trying to decide where to start. They're pretty PC-centric this week or this uh, month. Yes. Whatever. Well, you know, it is the 2020s. It's the decade of, of politically correctness. Speaking of... Wow, I'm glad you... Speaking of correct, oh, we don't do that here. No, no, this is a clarification. Okay. <laughs> uh, Peter wrote in with a clarification. Yeah. Um, about the Prowler and the PT Cruiser, <sighs> which I guess did we talk about that around CES? Ooh, I think yeah, that's right. We talked about with the Sony's the goofy Sony concept car, the Vision S. Um, um, so the Prowler they did actually sell. Yes. Yeah. His, his the full the, the entirety of his email is I don't remember the concept version of the Prowler, but they sold a version of it for several years. The PT Cruiser was a different thing. So yes. what, what was it that we said that the Prowler was a concept only? So Prowler was originally concept only. They showed it at like the Detroit Auto Show. Right. And then people got really excited about it to the point that they did a limited that's run of right. them. That's right. They and did. then and that, that's that's the one that you think of as purple, right? It, yeah, it's always purple. It's purple. And it looks like it looks like something out of Batman, right? It looks like something out of the Tim Burton Batman. I think it looks like Joel Schumacher. Batman, okay. Oh, OK. It's a little more. A little more cheese it's, there. It's it's uh it is it like the car had can look it was a cool car a in like nineteen ninety two or whenever it came out. Okay, um, but it is it is a little bit retro future looking thing, right? Yeah, it looks like a it looks like a fifties hot rod right. that was mo- that, that somebody was like, I want to make this look like a fifties future car. Yes, and it's like the open back bucket hot rod design with the open oh, front wheels. I just pulled it up. Oh no no no! I was th- this is this is a red car. Well, the one time, look, the one true color. Oh, there is. Okay, here's a purple one. Yeah. Yes. Um, it looks like a car that like a Joker's Joker's gang might drive. It's got these like, God, like, I don't know if you'd call that open wheel, but the front. The fenders turn with the wheels, the front, right? Yeah. The front tires just straight yeah. up stick out from the body. <laughs> yeah. It seems really dangerous. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. like an F1 car, but a station wagon. Uh, anyway, just so yeah. you know. People Clarifications. Did, people did buy those. Yeah, the um, PT Cruiser. I still think if you look at a PT Cruiser next to that thing, they took the bucket design and made a station wagon out of it. I think that those are the huh. PT Cruiser is inspired by the Prowler. Okay, that's my theory. I'll buy that. Yeah, thanks for clarifying. Yeah, it's good clarification. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know for whatever reason we got a bunch of emails about various PC hardware related topics. So let's look, get into it. People have PC problems. Uh, here's an email from Vance. Hey, Vance. Uh, do you have any recommendations for PC cases that have the same wire-free design of the new 2019 Mac Pro? My attempts to Google it have come up empty. That's probably a tall order since there isn't one company developing PC form factors, so I'd also welcome any recommendations for a minimalist or doesn't scream gamer micro ATX case mm. uh, that has an airflow similar to the Mac Pro with those giant quiet fans. So I, we talked about that. I forget when. A few weeks ago. It was uh, oh, end of the year. A, that wasn't a CES thing. I no, that was end of the year. It was um, the, the year wrap up thing. Yeah. If you haven't, if you haven't seen that Mac Pro, it is so precisely engineered that every single component has a connector on it that when you plug it into the case meets the other end of the connector, it needs to touch. It's bonkers. It is literally no. It's not that there are hidden wires. There are no wires. It's wild. But so, but he's, he's right, though. Like that is the kind of that's the kind of product that does require the insane amount of precision planning of a single company right setting out to do that it's not you're not gonna get a bunch of off-the-shelf pc parts from different manufacturers um that that are gonna fit together that way i mean the thing that might happen is that people change the pc case designs 
like over time the standards evolve so that like the power that's required for a video card comes through the PCI Express sure. slot rather. But but there's problems with piping a lot of power through a motherboard design and mm-hmm. that it causes noise and that reduces that causes problems and all that. So it, like Apple clearly spent a oodles of money developing that stuff. Um, I, I feel like probably we're not going to see that yeah. for normal PC builds. There's a reason that those machines start at expensive and get to ludicrous, uh, the Apple machines. And it's that they peep like at the end of the day, nobody cares. Like once you put the door on the side of the case, if you don't have a window on, who cares if there's wires in there? I mean, most modern cases from what I've seen are pretty good about cable management. Anyway, they, yeah. let, they let you route and hide and, you know, kind of keep a pretty tidy, uh, space in there. So, yeah. So, um, they asked for case recommendations. Fractal Design does yes. good cases that don't look like gamer cases. My, my last two cases were both Fractal, and I've been very happy with one of them and pretty happy with the other, so, so I can give a pretty strong endorsement. Corsair's line ranges from p- pure gamer, like lots of lights and fans in yeah. the business and, and like smoked glass sides. Yeah, I, lo- I, I don't know. I I mean, I'm you know, whatever. I don't want to like rain on anybody's aesthetic parade yeah but it's really not my thing so like i want my computer i've said it before i want my computer to look like a refrigerator i just want it to look like a relatively sleek but you know not not very outlandish i just want it to look like a nice like brushed metal or black kind of monolithic box i had a conversation years ago with rahul sood who started voodoo computer and they were doing like really high-end like super good cable fold like they had they had they hired an origami master to teach them how to fold wow. parallel ita cables oh, back sounds, in the day that sounds amazing and to like work out how to best to route the cables so that they're Parallel. Invisible. wow that's parallel like the big ITA. wide ribbon ribbon like, cables. like the idea the flat ID yeah flat ID cables remember remember when rounded cables came about oh yeah remember what a revelation that was i didn't like them no no because they were they you couldn't route them well because they were too stiff because they were round mm. I guess, yeah. Um, I remember people saying at the time it was a bad idea because I, I thought it those, increases noise. Yeah, weren't those IDE cables? It was like every other wire was signal and ground. I think that's the way it so, works. So but by so by bundling them in a tube, it was you're kind of yeah, defeating that. Yeah, purpose. I mean, there's ways around that. Yeah. It wasn't a it, it didn't. We tested it at maximum PC. It didn't impact performance. Okay, at least if you got good ones. But also, that's ancient agent technology. Yeah. Point. So the point he he I was trying to get him to do like a line of PCs that looked like furniture that would just like okay. blend in like you could make an end table that like put a make a PC case that looked like an end table okay. and make that oh, your PC. Sure. And he was like, that's a really great idea. And then yeah. he sold his company to HP and, <laughs> and stopped doing new things. How about a desk with the PC built into it? I've, I've seen those. Really? For a while. Well, I guess you could just get a cabinet under the desk and it's kind of the same thing. Well, there used to be a, P, a company that made cases that were like desks. And you would just uh, put the PC flat under a piece of plexiglass on okay. top of a glass on okay. top of the table. Kind of like your coffee table. Wow. Like imagine p- the, if your coffee are, table was a PC. The parts are just like distributed and kind of mounted under the. Wow. That it sounds, was awesome. That sounds cool. It was very loud. Uh, and it was very. It looked. Mm. It looked. I, so, okay. Fractal Design. NZXT does some good non-gamer yeah, I've, cases. I've heard, I've heard good stuff about their. Um, Corsair is good. Um, I feel like Cooler Master mostly does gamingy looking cases now yeah. i loved their like they were the first ones that did aluminum cases 15 years ago and man that was a revelation because that thing was clean looking it looked really nice um and cases, it was oh like my god they've gotten so much better i, oh, yeah. I hung on i really really should have bought a new case before a couple of years ago mm-hmm. i had the same case for i like can't imagine you holding on to something 15 years 22 <laughs> inches uh, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 12 years something like that oh, yeah 
It was it was still from the days when the, it was just a bunch of raw. I don't know what the term is for this kind of like unprocessed metal. Oh, you have the, the sharp frame, edges, frame, the stamp, die sharp, sharp edges, and like rough texture on everything, and it was just like it, it, like industrial grade looking crap. Oh, yeah, like, I, like that the screws had rusted by the time I got rid of it. Your front USB ports were USB one. Um, yeah, uh, I I uh, I have a like I'm I'm in that situation now. I have a what a nine year old case I oh, think wow. from Corsair. Okay. Um, but it's really quiet. And since I started streaming on Twitch, I don't know what's happened to me, but I have the urge to like do a big, like water cooling solution, yeah. like some glow in the dark fluid, maybe put some lights in there, okay. do, like RGB sync the lights to the gameplay. Cause that's the thing you can do now. What makes you want the water? I got into quiet. A, I, I want it to be yeah, quiet. So that was, I, I, so a, I was feeling the same way that I was going to go water cooling next time. And then B, I got into, I wouldn't call it an argument, but a discussion. Let's say on a message board where numerous people were like, yeah, the water is actually louder at this point. Like a, a good air cooler, if you're not overclocking, it depends. It's going to be quieter. So I have a 2080 Ti in my machine, and that is a notoriously that's, loud card. Say, that's, probably, that's probably louder than any. Oh, because oh, you want to water cool everything. I want to water cool. Oh, I, like a, I, I have an all-in-one on the CPU, which is okay. fine. It's like a double radiator, you know, double fan radiator, yeah. 280 millimeters. And it's quiet. Like I can run the CPU full speed overclocked, whatever. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't make any noise. The the GPU, the moment that thing spins up, I know it because it sounds, if I don't have my headphones on, it sounds like a jet engine. I didn't think about having a loud video card and water cooling both of them. Yeah. So you have, that, like, that if you want quiet, you have to cool yeah. the video card and the CPU. Yes. And like, then you're dealing with like building your own, like there's nobody that makes an all in one video card and CPU cooling solution. Really? So you have to build your own loop at that oh, point, okay. and then it becomes a whole different process. And sure. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I've got a I've got a fractal defined R6 uh, for my oh, gaming, that's a great game, case. gaming machine. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. I want to say they've come out with a successor since then. I got it a couple of years ago. I think there's a newer model. Um, but, but I mean, the the nice thing about a case like a monitor is like <laughs> it's a thing that you buy and you replace way less frequently than mm-hmm. everything else in that machine. Yep. Some cases like 15, 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, a the, decade the, too. The ones I was thinking about that the other day because that's what I do. Yeah, I was I was looking at that case, thinking like I bet I use that for at least another ten years easily. I, I the thing that'll the thing that will screw you over is that it probably doesn't have USB C ports on the front. Uh, the fractal is good enough that the the front panel is modular, and they sell <sighs> they update and sell newer front panels. So they already sell one that has a USB C. Oh, that's in the it. business. At the same time, I have found that uh, the case mounted USB ports mm-hmm. are never to be trusted. They are so much less stable for anything, anything that's pushing a lot of data or needs to pull a lot of power. I have found they are absolutely god awful compared to the the onboard ports. Depends on your case. It depends on the headers. Okay, and where and and think the actual literal quality of like the cable and port well, is so coming into play. The USB three internal header, that wide one with the yeah. with the with the key, yeah. um, is notorious for snapping for coming out coming loose. Huh. So I had problems with that on my X ninety nine board, and the problem was. It just wasn't plugged in all so the way. Would you straight up lose connectivity? Because that's what I would expect. It would or, pop in and out, or like if I plugged in something that was high power, yeah, it would it would it would detect it and then disconnect. Those are the types of problems I'm having. Detected and yeah. disconnect. Yeah, it's like a, a bus powered USB hard drive yeah. plugged into those things will not stay connected if you're trying to copy files, yep. but plugged straight into the one of the board ports, it's totally fine. Yeah. So um, uh, check your connections. Okay. And it may be that you have a faulty connection on the other end, which would is less likely, but. Um, at this point, I just plug anything that I really care about straight into the board. Well, so the funny thing is, like, I was able to do Oculus, the Oculus Link cable 
which is like USB 3.1 data, which nobody uses on a USB 3.1 cable. And it works fine huh. off the front ports of my computer. Okay. So like it's your mileage may vary. Yeah, I guess. Yes. Um, okay. That's a, well, I think we thoroughly answered that question. Thorough answer about PC. I could talk about that stuff all day. I love it. That's why um, I'm here. Matt from Queens, New York. That Queens. Just want to make sure people knew. Uh, as there may be other Queens out there, but little Jamaica represent what, what? Yes. I don't know. Uh, that's all. The, that's what I know about Queens. Uh, Museum of the modern image is there. It's great. Moving image. Uh, Matt says, I know precious little about video formats, so I figured I'd come to the experts. That's us. Yeah, experts. Definitely in the room. Ask room. the experts. It's the one and only. Uh, everyone tells me MKV is the most universal format, but all I've seen is that it's a pain in the ass to run on anything but VLC. Conversely, folks scoff at MP4, uh, but it tends to work pretty universally and cleanly on all my smart devices, etc. What is the truth? Why are these shells such a pain? Ah. Uh. The container question. Yeah. We probably need to explain what containers are and how yeah. video works. Yes. So video files are... Um, it's kind of a two-part equation, right? Yeah. The, like there's a bucket into which you pour the audio and video and subtitles and supplemental data. And that's what he's talking about. And he's these, talking about containers. Yeah, these, these extensions are the container formats. And, and different containers support different things. So for example, MP4 supports H.264 and MPEG-2 and probably AVC video. Yes, definitely. And um, AAC audio mm-hmm. and maybe MP3 audio. I can't remember. Uh, it, I mean, it'll scale to all kinds of stuff. Like I just captured the video off of an Atomos. Oh, Atomos Dolby. Sh- yeah, yeah. Shogun or a Ninja. I forget what type, but uh, I captured video at almost 200 megabits a second. Um in like Apple. So that's like lightly compressed. Yeah, and it was the codec was like Apple ProRes 422 or something right. like that. Like it was some super high end, but it came out as an MP4. Right. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure it was an MP4. That, that, that seems right. Like you can you can cram some super high end like production oriented stuff in there. So like MPEG, the MPEG container, which is um is good for MPEG2 only. Like that's as high as you can get. And that's, that's, that's Dolby Digital 5.1 in there. That's literally like a dot MPG it's a or, dot MPG, or a dot MPEG. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty that's that's pretty, pretty obsolete at this point right you yeah. should don't use that yeah um so mp4 is what apple supports and has supported on iphone for a long time natively is that do you think that's why it became so ubiquitous because apple got behind it that would that would be my guess there's yeah. probably there's probably some containers also have licensing encumbrance oh just like video codecs oh, so I didn't know that. for example to support um the old mp3 audio codec for a long time the reason there was not MP3 support in Windows XP is because Microsoft did not want to pay Fraunhofer, Fraunhofer. 50 cents per Windows install yeah. for uh, MP3 codecs. So you could yeah. download it from the internet and it worked, but you couldn't you didn't you couldn't make MP3s in Windows Media Encoder or whatever it was. Do you think Fraunhofer is just like the most like cash flush company on the planet? Because like like when we talk about that Bluetooth LE stuff at a CES a couple of weeks ago, yeah. they, they are behind that LC3 codec. Yeah, that codec <laughs> they're, they're still just everywhere. Yeah, I, I feel like those IP holding companies that don't maybe... I think Fraunhofer actually does research. Some of those companies yeah, yeah, just I, buy I, them. I'm not saying the they're like a bunch of snake oil salesmen. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they you know I'm sure they are legitimate codec experts. Well, they're but like this is why... Code experts. This is, <laughs> this is why Google developed WebM, right? WebM and, and Ogvorbis and all that stuff. That's why that's why big companies support that is because they don't want to... Ha- they want to use those codecs natively so they don't have to pay. So YouTube doesn't have to pay to encode the videos and Android doesn't have to pay to decode the videos. Right. So anyway, the TLDR is that MP4 supports... Uh, has pretty good audio and video support, but is lacking on subtitles and also like film quality movie containers. So like you can't put a true 
uh, a true um, DTS HD stream in an MP4 container. But Matryoshka MKV, no problem. It'll yeah. play. It'll take whatever subtitles for days That's and, why and it soft is the, subtitles. Yes, yeah. in case you are looking to pirate a bunch of anime. Well, with fan subtitles, <laughs> MKV is for you. You can just yeah, well. So also, if you want to rip a bunch of DVDs. And you want to save the director's commentaries that are on there. Yeah. MP4 doesn't let you do multiple audio right. streams. There are definitely so, other other use cases as well. For yeah. Sure. So so like yeah, when so I like, ripped, like yeah like ripping your movies ripping Blu-rays to your Plex library. Yeah. You can you can stick the audio commentary in there as well. Well, quite, I, quite I, easily. I or you can you can rip a stereo. You can rip the assistive here. Yeah, you know, the vision assisted uh, audio track. Sure. So it describes what's going on and like it's a just a more flexible container. Yeah. Uh, the other part of this is that the support for playback is much broader if you use a server to to play it because the server can do the transcode. Um, the, the changing a video on the fly and re encoding the video is computationally expensive. Changing it from like an MP4, like taking it a Matryoshka container, an MKV container that has all the stuff you want, and then only putting the two streams that you need and the subtitles burned in is a much lighter computational yeah. task. Yeah. So like then you can play it natively on the iPhone or the Apple TV or whatever it doesn't support natively. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm glad you brought that stuff up because um, if you if you care about this stuff and you want to learn and you kind of get your hands wet, hands, feet wet, feet, that's the feet, hands the, dirty, the feet, feet wet. The yeah. feet are what go in the water. I got my feet wet the other day. Soaked your feet while you're playing with video formats. Uh, I would, I would, no matter what OS you're on, I would highly recommend downloading FFmpeg. Yes. Um, I mean, You've you mentioned before this, like Handbrake. Handbrake is great. Handbrake will give you a GUI that can do a lot of this stuff too, but I, I just have... I've experienced something of a command line renaissance in the last couple of years. Okay, I'm really, beard. really into uh, the flexibility of a command line. Uh, but but uh, FFmpeg comes with some other tools. Like there's FF Probe that you can run on a video file. Um, so you can find like if it's if you're if you're if it's not playing audio and you don't know why you can look yeah. at FF Probe to find out what the audio codec right, is. But yeah, it'll, so it'll just spit out a nice readout of like here's the here are the audio and video streams in this file. Like forget what the extension is that means some things, but then like oh the actual video in this is encoded in AVC and like yeah. oh the audio is like AAC at 256 kilobit or something like that. Um, and that's where and then you can use something like FFmpeg or I think Handbrake. Handbrake will transcode pretty much anything at this point. To, to do what you well, so it's not even transcoding, it's just recontainering. Yeah, so uh, you usually I think I recontainer using VLC because okay. you can do that uh, really yeah, easily I in be there. I'm surprised if there's a bunch of tools for that stuff. Um, I've just kind of gotten used to doing it with command line. Yeah, the, the point is you're like you said, I mean just to give a little more context, you're passing through those already encoded video and audio streams and yeah. just putting them in a different file format. But, so but, you don't have to re-crunch all the, the actual encoding. But if you put like a Plex server or a Kodi server or something like that on your on your PC, yeah. it doesn't even, you don't even have to have a server. Yeah. You can just run Plex on your Windows yeah. machine, the server, and then it will automatically do the transcodes oh, totally, for totally. you. It, I mean, it, like, it's like, oh, I know, I, I speak this, right. I can convert this to that, and it does all that FFM. Yeah, I mean, the, the reason I've gotten into this stuff is, you know, we work with enough video formats that, like, it, it's, it's super useful if you have, say, like, oh, I have a file and I want to use, I know I want to spit out a clip of, like, 30 seconds of it. Um, you just do it that way, and then you just you get the clip in 10 seconds as opposed to having to actually re-encode the file. Yeah, and open waiting, Premiere and waiting wait for 20, it to do the whole thing. Yeah. 20 minutes or whatever it is. So. It's, it's um, that's one of those things... Yeah, if you get video from weird places, like for example, press sites, it's a very handy thing to have. Yes, for sure. Um, all right, we're just gonna keep going down this PC rabbit hole. Okay, let's talk about XMP profiles. Oh, I love them. You like RAM timings. Yeah, uh, give me is, give me that cast three latency. This is this is from Dwayne. Hello, Dwayne. 
recently, I bought various DDR4 16 gigabyte kits for a couple home computers. Both kits are DDR3200 rated. Uh, however, when I put them into their respective computers, I can't get the machines to post when I try to use the XMP profiles. Uh, I looked, and the specific modules are not on my motherboard's QVL lists, whatever that is. Qualified vendor list. Yes. Also, both are AMD Ryzen systems, not Intel, if that matters. It yes. Definitely mattered back in the day, I assume. 100% still, matters. Still the case. Stock speeds. One kit is DDR4-2400. The other is 2166. He mentions the, the 2400 is by team group. The 2166 is, is by G-Skill. Uh, if I use a utility like CPU-Z, I can see the SPD information, and I see various JEDIC. Do people pronounce it that way? JEDIC, yeah. yeah. Type profiles, and then on another tab, I think I see what is the actual timings the memory is running at. I have read articles about RAM timings and XMP, and still my head spins. Uh, I see things that uh, XMP may not work well on AMD, and I'm wondering if I am losing anything if I can't get those higher memory speeds. So... Um, I haven't actually built a Ryzen system yet. I probably yeah, need to do that. I have not either. But the the thing everyone who I know who has built a Ryzen system tells me is that Ryzen is more sensitive to good RAM yeah. than any other architecture in modern history. Like in the in recent history, because back in the day, like I, I loved the kind of decade or whatever I spent on AMD. Yeah. Specifically for because of the bang for the buck yeah. aspect. But that was one of the things that pushed me back to Intel was things like you really have to care about not just what brand of memory you get, but what model and what the timings are, because it's going to be super finicky about what RAM it'll boot with. Uh, you know, the the drivers for your USB controller on your motherboard might not be great or even existent. So that stuff is better. The USB yeah. controller and stuff yeah, is, in my I, understanding, I, is the chipsets are generally because, better. Because I think AMD is making their own chipsets now, right? As opposed, Like back in the day, it was like Via or some third party making the motherboard chipset I, for the AMD I boards. Think, I think AMD always had... There was a period of time when they definitely didn't make their own chipsets, and then they were like, "This is a mistake. We got to make yeah, our." I mean, own this chipsets. was like twenty years ago. Yeah. So with the Ryzen specifically, they're really sensitive to RAM timings because of the number of cores and stuff that you have on there, and the amount of data uh, that, that goes across that, those buses. That makes sense. Um, I would say, like, aside from changing your physical hard drive platters to an SSD, getting good memory is one of the things. Getting enough and getting good memory is probably the next biggest like. This is going to make my computer feel faster in stuff like launching applications and click booting up and hitting the Windows logo and stuff like that. Hitting I, the Windows button. I always felt like, and again, this is maybe outdated information, like ten years ago or something. I always felt like people said that the the speed that your memory ran at was like a fun number to obsess over, but in practical terms, really didn't make more than like a couple percent of difference. But maybe things have changed. So for a long time, that was the case. Okay. The big thing that's changed is Unreal Engine games are very memory bandwidth limited is my understanding. Huh. And I don't know if that's universal, but uh, for example, um, PUBG is the is the example that comes to mind immediately because I spend a lot of time trying to make that a little bit faster. You get like a one-to-one percentage improvement on faster RAM huh. timings wow. on that. If you're, if you're assuming that like your video card performance is gated, is, is you're not hitting video card bottlenecks or CPU bottlenecks. So, um, the, okay. So, there's a bunch of stuff to explain here. JDEC is the is the organization, the industry standards body that determines RAM timings it's and another, speeds. Another one of those consortiums. Yeah. 
and and part of the challenge is that they only specify up to a certain point and then anything beyond the highest jedex standard is basically just like the cpu motherboard vendor and the memory people saying hey we can run at this speed reliably if these things are set right yeah and the, means, and the the from what i've seen the jedex specs are pretty conservative right yeah like 2400 i think is as far as it goes right now it's yeah. and and you can buy jet uh, 4000 megahertz memory at i think point. i mean they're prioritizing stability and and you know functionality over speed right yeah well like they this, do it's they, like it's like these these timings and the speed you will be able to run your computer and they do all like they do ram for embedded stuff too like it's not just pc ram that they care about they care about all ram it's my understanding so um so okay what the spd stuff does is basically says hey here's known good settings like this is what we this is what we this is what we promise you this will run at if you put it in a compatible motherboard. The problem that this person has is that they bought memory off of the qualified vendors list. And so the bad news is probably that they're going to have to get new memory to get it to run at the speeds that they want it to run at. You may be able to clock it down and increase the voltage to what whatever the motherboard's expecting and the CPU's expecting. But it, the thing I said, everybody says is buy only off the QVL. And, and just to be clear, that's good advice for Intel users too. Like, yeah. You you should not buy memory that your motherboard manufacturer has not said, hey, this will work on our motherboard. Yeah, I think just in practical terms, though, the Intel compatibility is good enough that I just haven't looked at that list. And Intel's the, last the default th- last three builds and never had a problem. But, but it's because Intel's um, the default, not because it's because people build their stuff for Intel. Yeah, and then, yeah. oh, also, we support AMD. It's yes. not, you know, not it's not like Intel's any. It, it's Intel's, just a matter of testing, right? It's, it's testing it's, and, and yeah. compatibility. Yeah, stuff. Yes. So, um, um, it, it, not. I mean, the, this is a little bit of a digression, but uh, kind of following up on the NAS episode last week, like the free NAS people will tell you pretty directly, "Hey, you should run this on Intel." Yeah, because the driver support, the the general hardware support in FreeBSD is so much better on Intel. And it's not that it's not that Intel is like you said, it's not an inherently superior platform. It's just that's where all the work has gone into. You know, making those drivers mature and testing stuff and making sure it all works. They ha- they have a bigger, a much bigger portion of market yeah. across across that and the, across the stuff that FreeBSD people care about. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, unless you know what the stuff means in the memory timing settings of your BIOS. God, what is it? Um, cast to last, cast, cast to cast latency, and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, there's like three or four different ones. There's a no. There's way more than that. Oh no. Now. Okay. Yeah, and there's voltage. So SPD controls voltage timings clock speeds um all of that stuff okay. and like those settings basically involve like if you think about uh, memory like cells in a spreadsheet there's rows and columns in in the memory cells and those timings control how many clock refreshes it takes to scan across an entire row and how how long it takes to reset a row and and like it's all this crazy esoteric stuff you really don't need to know about it at all yeah. unless you're doing really serious overclocking um and and so like don't worry about the individual settings. Just get memory that's on your QBL. Set set it to the SPD. Um, if you if you have to choose, this is a controversial opinion. My <laughs> feeling is that clock speed for games is more important than latency. Huh. So like anything else, you have to choose between you're buying memory. You choose between whether you want low latency, which means you know it, it refreshes each cell faster and can read and write more times per clock cycle. Or clock speed, which is just like the size of the the amount of data going through the pipe at any given moment, is higher. For games, the 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 bandwidth seems better, so higher clock speeds seem better than lower latency. Oh, okay. Um, if you have specific workloads, that might vary. Okay. 
So yeah, interesting. Did, yeah. We, did we say what an XMP profile is? I mean, it's 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 basically just oh. a, a preset. It's just a preset embedded in the DIM. Right? Yes, like so, it, it's like it tells the motherboard, like, hey, these are what the manufacturer thinks are known good settings for this. So the SPD is the physical chip on the on the RAM that okay. holds that information. The XMP profile is what lives inside the chip. Right. I right. use the terms interchangeably. Yeah. Sorry, I should have so, been more clear. Um, so did uh, generally, if you buy off the list. The XMP can, profile can, should be fine. Can you assume that the XMP profile is? Yeah. yeah. So, sometimes, That's what I've done for the last, I don't know, 10 years. So the, the only catch to that is some vendors will do a thing where they put two XMP profiles in the SPD. And one will be like the JEDEC highest setting, which will be like 2133 or 2400. And one will be the actual like maximum rated speed for the RAM. Um, and then like the other thing is generally it's better to buy... You want to fill all the channels in your motherboard. So if you have a dual channel memory motherboard or a quad channel or a tri-channel, you want to get the right, like you want to put three chips in there. Because if you don't, then you'll run it at two thirds or half or whatever the speed. You want that interleaving. Yeah. But also more sticks, like if you can avoid populating all the slots, you're probably better off because that tends to make it a little bit less stable. Yeah. Indeed. All right. That's a lot about RAM. Yeah. Um, Memories. How about... Uh, I don't know any more of that song. Here's an email from Terry. Uh, With the advent of VR, I now want my desktop in two places, the living room for VR and my office for more workday uses, which is two floors away. I'm fine putting the PC in either location, but would like to be able to use it in both and preferably be able to power up and down from both locations. Uh, any recommendations on how to have one PC power both setups within one house? And he, he didn't mention it in the actual body, but the subject line of the email is long distance KVM options. So he wants to do VR in the living room and play games upstairs. That sounds right. And use upstairs as a real yeah, computer. Yeah, the, the rooms are two floors away, but he wants access to the PC in both. Oh, so. Is a KVM what I think it is? It's like it's just a switch for keyboard, mouse, and video. It's right? not just a switch. That's the thing. Is there more to it than so, that? I've never used one. So a KVM, you, people use them in server rooms a lot because yeah. if you have like twenty servers in there and you want to be able to plug them all into one monitor right, and mouse yes. and keyboard, then it makes it easy to do that. So what a KVM does is it basically shows up as a keyboard, mouse, and monitor to each of the computers all the time, oh. and it switches. So it's like it's like a translation layer almost. It doesn't it doesn't actually translate, but a KVM. A switch, if you hit the switch to switch between two machines, is going to turn it off on one computer and turn it on on the other computer. Okay, in this case, I'm guessing the non-active computers are just getting like a null signal on all those. Yeah, it's just they, like nothing's they, happening but, on the mouse and keyboard. But they still think something is there. They still think it's connected. Interesting. So the problem with that, especially for people who are doing gamer or gamers, is it adds latency for gamers. Ooh. Um it also means that any of the any of the extra keys on your keyboard or any stuff like like if you have a if you have an RGB keyboard that has lights and fancy buttons and stuff, none of that stuff's going to work anymore because huh. okay. the KVM is just going to strip all that stuff out on the way through, and your computer won't even see that it has the right keyboard attached. So, um, like there's there's ways to do this. There's not great ways to do this, unfortunately. Like you can't you can't pipe VR stuff over the KVM because it'll add too much latency and it probably won't work right. You might be able to do a really long HDMI cable or a DVI cable and like pipe that stuff over USB over USB and DVI over inter- Ethernet, you might be able to do. Um, I, I kind of wanted to include this question because we talked about it a little bit beforehand. I, I'm curious if anybody has solutions for this. The other thing you could do is put the PC in the living room and then use like a remote desktop type, type solution like a, like um, 
like an NVIDIA Shield type thing, have a real light client in your office that just remotes into that computer. But I don't, that's not a terrific solution. You can always run some 30 foot cables. 30 foot cables might, might, this might be, this, Brad, this is your time to shine. Stress test. Um, well, you, but, but you can do, I don't know if you can do the, the speed that you need across like a, uh, uh, HDMI and USB over Ethernet solution, but that, that might be a valid solution too. You'll have to look and see. Um, it might just be cheaper to build two computers. <laughs> that's, I kind of was, I didn't want to suggest that, but that seems like the, like that's, if you could stomach the cost, that is probably the actual. Yeah, like best solution. Like the, the well, and with like Steam Remote Play and the Nvidia Remote Play stuff, if you have an Nvidia card in your in your in your gaming computer, you can like if you have a wired network, that stuff works really well. Yeah, I think if he didn't want VR specifically on one end of this, then this would be a lot easier to answer. You could just say, "Hey, do Steam Link." My, or something like that. My guess is that the VR has to be plugged directly into the yeah, PC for yes. it to work right. Yeah, yeah that's, that but I don't know for sure. I, I haven't would, tried that. I would believe that. I would be curious. Um, post in in Discord or whatever, um, and let us know if you have a solution or add us on Twitter. Yeah, because I'd be curious if anybody else has tried something like that. Yes, we'll share it next week or the or week after actually. All right, this is a fun email. It's Ooh. very long. Okay. Um, it's full of jargon, which I love. Ooh. Uh, and the person requested to be anonymous because it's about their job slash place of employment. Ooh, um, secrets. Yeah. But I found this stuff pretty interesting. Um, I just listened to episode 16 and thought I heard Brad mention he was very curious about microchip manufacturing processes. Mm. I sell consumable products used in the parts of the wafer manufacturing process. The wafer. I love a good wafer. Uh, and what's, can, what's your favorite wafer? Nilla? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that's pretty good. Like a Neko wafer? Like a, a Captain's? Captain's Ooh, wafer? Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I like a... Does a Stroop waffle count as a wafer? Oh, man. Those things are the business. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry. What were we talking about? I just want some Stroop waffle. I want a Stroop waffle. Kind of always in that state, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, I can speak a very little bit about two parts, back grinding and dicing, Ooh. Uh, which are part of the back end or assembly portion of the process. And the wafer is the is a giant sheet of chips that comes out of the fab, right? It's just a, a giant just to, just to be clear. It yeah. looks like it, it's a, yeah, like it's a, a perfectly sheet. flat yeah. round. If you ever are in um, near Intel's headquarters, there's a museum open to the public where you can see like the different dyes naked oh, wow. as they went over. It's it's worth driving oh, down wow. there sometime. Are they in, in the valley? It's in there in the valley. You can oh, just walk man. into the front door and like, it's open to the public. There's a gift shop. Um, and yeah, like you can see all the different, like it starts with the 8088 and 8086 Holy and shit. like goes forward. It's, it's super cool. And that those is, early chips are like, they're big enough. You can see the circuits, that right? Is, that is extremely up my alley. Yes. I need to go see that. Um, all right. Uh, back grinding is where the wafer is thinned by grinding away the backside, typically from around 750 micrometers to anywhere from 200 down to 50. Wow. Depending on the device type. Uh, this is done using a diamond resin bonded grinding wheel. Ooh. Deionized water is used to prevent contamination. Uh, also, a protective tape is typically laminated onto the front side of the wafer substrate. I love the word substrate. Mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes, this tape has adhesive that reacts to UV waves. So when the tape is mounted to the wafer, it has a strong adhesive strength. Once the wafer is backgrounded to the appropriate thickness, the wafer is placed in a curing machine where UV light passes through the tape. This curing process drastically reduces the adhesive strength, which makes the delamination much easier. The next step after backgrinding is dicing. The wafer is mounted onto a dicing tape, also often UV tape, where it's then cut using either mechanical blade, typically diamond, or high-strength laser. 
Wow. After the wafer is diced, each die is, ex- is is inspected. The UV tape is cured to make it easy to pick up and and then placed in a package or PCB or what have you. Both of these steps require clean rooms and every step is automated. Though I have heard of um, process engineers working on prototype designs who didn't have access to a UV curing machine going outside into the Northern California sunshine and using the sun to cure some wafers. Wow. It would just take about 10 or 20 minutes instead of the 60 seconds it takes with the machine. Uh, Clean rooms aren't uh, used only during wafer processing, but even back grind and dicing tapes are manufactured in a clean room environment since they're coming into direct contact with the wafer. Speaking from personal experience, those suits can be quite uncomfortable. Well, the more you know. Yeah. That's fascinating. So, yeah, that's some that's some cool some kind of stuff around the around the fab. It's, it's, it's my understanding is that the, the the because we've gotten good at making big wafers, like huge wafers, like two foot, three foot wide wafers. Oh, is that is that big? They're big. Oh no, no, I'm I'm saying is that considered big? I think yeah, I, I mean, thought they were I thought they were like five, six feet. I have seen them that are like not full arm strength or okay. arm stretch. Okay. Like three, four feet, maybe. I don't know. It's, I'm bad huh. at sizes sometimes. Do you know why they're round? Because um, you're not wasting material. Well, I guess it doesn't matter if it's just extra material. Because the chips are tiny. So it's just like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're always going to lose stuff toward the edges is my understanding. Okay. So huh. my guess is it's round because it's easy to manage. Okay. And maybe, maybe because the grinding process is a, is oh, a spinning like a process. I don't know. Thing maybe. Huh. Right in. Yeah. Techpod at content.town. Um, that's would, fascinating. That was really love, fun. I would love to go to a fab. Uh, I, I don't know what I would do keep, there. Keep but at be, this. Maybe some, maybe somebody will ask cool, us to come cool up. Cool to see that stuff. Hop one of the hop one of the Intel flights to uh, to uh, uh, Beaverton. Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, here's an interesting one from Ryan in Medina, which is near uh, the Cleveland, Ohio area. Oh, up next door to Funky, and uh, on the other side of Cold, I believe. Yes. Uh, he and his wife, let's see, bought a house in a less populated area around the Cleveland, Ohio area. After we moved in and much to my surprise, we found out wired broadband internet was not available at our address. What? It's in the suburbs? Sure. There was a residence serviced by the cable company three tenths of a mile away. But since there were no poles between our house and theirs, the cable company couldn't or wouldn't service our address. The only wired option was a DSL, a DSL service that would range between one and three megabits down. Sweet, merciful Jeebus. This is a big city. Yeah, I would be on a waiting list uh, to get a, quote, good port for a 10 megabit connection. So I passed on that. After much research, Uh, I learned there was a wireless option for our area, but it requires line of sight to the tower. And due to the trees and elevation of our house, it was not available. Although, again, a house a few doors down has it. I was hoping that Verizon's home 5G would come online sooner rather than later. Uh, but seeing as the rollout is so slow and concentrated to populated urban areas, I'm not holding out hope. So does it all come down to SpaceX's Starlink project? They stated they are looking to start service in the middle of the year. Will I finally get reliable broadband to my house? I'm tired of using and managing my hotspot data between work and games. Please give me hope. This place is literally like 16 miles from Cleveland. Yeah. Cleveland is a moderate-sized city, right? It's big. I mean, this, I don't know how rural it's, this area he's talking about part is. Part of the Rust Belt, right? Infrastructure build-out is, you know, not the easiest thing in the world if you live wow. on a mountain or something. Like, but, my parents live in the middle of nowhere in Virginia, and I'm not, it's not surprising that living between D.C. and Richmond in the in the country that they don't have internet. But holy hell, this is bananas. Yeah, that's, that's a rough situation to be in. Yeah. <laughs> One, two, three megabits down. Wow. Like um, I, I always find emails like this to be a good reality check because we have such good internet out here. We we had several people write in from Australia too yeah. that were like, 
man, you're bad internet. I, like, just to be clear, when I had 110, 100 down, 10 up 10 years ago, I was stoked. Yes, same. Um, but yeah, like it's, it is the internet situation varies wildly even inside the United States, much less inside different countries. Yeah. So, um, I don't have a good answer for this. I mean, do you, do you know much about the Starlink stuff? Uh, yeah, I, I, didn't, I thought it was like theoretical or just proposed. I didn't realize no, they, they started actually, launching. I didn't realize they were actually implementing it. Yeah, they've they've launched two or three batches of satellites. There's concern from astronomers because they produce maybe a lot of light. Oh, um, oh yes, I remember the kind of panicky headlines. I mean, not that they're not warranted, but a lot of the news stories going around of like, hey, this this SpaceX internet project is going to make actual astrophysics a lot harder. Yeah, it's um. So the upshot is. It'll be lower latency than existing satellite stuff because it's not geosynchronous. So like the current, like the Hughes satellite that everybody's had and that was used on airplanes and stuff for a long time is um, uh, satellites in geosynchronous orbit. And as a result, they, uh, you know, the geosynchronous orbit is very far away versus low Earth orbit, which is like 100 kilometers straight up. So the time of flight is way lower with Starlink and presumably the power requirements for the transmitters and stuff will be lower because it's closer. So, I mean, I don't know. Is, is the TLDR is it's supposed to be better, but I don't know how, if it's going to be usable. Is, is the trade off here number of required satellites? They have to have a need literal a fuck ton of satellites. Okay, that's what it sounds like. To um, me. I mean, and, and it's one of those things that like it didn't make financial sense until SpaceX started getting the price of launching a kilogram down a lot. Do you know what is that now? No. Okay. I, I saw I, I saw something that I was like, wow, that's surprisingly cheap. I always heard it in pounds, but wasn't it like the classically wasn't it like ten thousand dollars a pound or something like that? Uh, at least yeah. that the, that was I think that was the goal for the space shuttle that they never oh, got close to. OK, um, but by reusing the rockets there, the upshot is by reusing the rockets and the fairings and as much as they can, things are much ch- cheaper to launch now, which is good. More satellites. Just going to get that Kessler syndrome going even earlier. Wait, what's the Kessler syndrome? It's um, is this about that. No. Okay. I don't, I don't think it's named. We could ask him. He might have something to do with it. It's basically a runaway. Oh. It's a runaway cascade of debris in orbit, causing more debris in orbit until everything's a, gone. Until there is a, just a shell of whirling razor blade sharp metal shards flying around the earth and we can't launch any more satellites. The gravity thing. Yeah. Yeah. I basically, saw that. Basically George idea, Clooney was great. The idea. So yeah. The idea Sandra is. Bullock. Yes. The idea is enough stuff in orbit gets destroyed and because, you know, things in orbit are moving very fast. Yeah. And if instead of a satellite, it gets turned into just a cloud of jagged metal. Then it collides with more stuff, and then it just it's a it's a it's a runaway effect of do you think we things in orbit destroying more things in orbit until everything is just razor blades. So this is a like a Scott Manley slash Kerbal question, but do you think we launch all like everybody launches their stuff to go in the same direction because of the way the world the Earth spins? No, because like it seems like if somebody launched one thing that goes the other direction, that might be real bad. Maybe. Well, I, I may be very much talking, I, and I definitely am actually talking about it out of my depth here, but um, isn't it easier to uh, reach escape velocity if you launch with the rotation of the Earth? Yeah, I think that's why all like you, of our you, launch, that's, I think that's why we launch out of Florida rather than California. Well, I think that that is because it's easier to launch near the equator. You need less force. Right. And that's that's the... Like, but that's because the Earth is spinning more at, that, at, that, at those latitudes. It's spinning faster. Yeah, I think that's right. I played a lot of Kerbal. <laughs> Played so none. I'm an expert. I played none, so I'm even less of an expert. Oh, wow. You should play Kerbal. It's really good. Yeah, I, I should check that out. It's a, it's a hot new title. Yeah. Um, I think, do you think that's it? Do you think we, we got to, do, do you want to do, you want to do one more? Um, Got anything else? Let's see. Yes. Here's one more email. Okay. It's from Carlos in Memphis, Tennessee. This, uh, based on our pre-show chatter, this sounds like a controversial topic. 
Uh, I was listening to your most recent episode about CES and Beyond Meats uh, when one of you mentioned that you can't make meatloaf without beef and pork. Uh, That piqued my taste buds because my wife's family recipe is beef only and we both enjoy it. Although now I feel like I've been missing out. Is there a particular recipe for meatloaf with beef and pork that you recommend? I have to confess I'm in the same boat. Wow, really? As him. I'm pretty sure growing up that our meatloaf was beef only. Well, so growing up, my meatloaf, my mom made microwave meatloaf, which is a nightmare. It's just a pile of ground beef with some tomato sauce and a little bit of vinegar and maybe Worcestershire mixed up in the tomato sauce. But this is not off the sh- an off the shelf product, right? It's still homemade. Oh, homemade. Just, but just like cooked, you, in, cooked you, in the microwave. You, you cook it in the microwave oven Ooh. in a pile. It's oh. not even in like a it's not even like a bread dish. It is, it is That's not even a loaf. Let me tell you. I did not like meatloaf until I went to visit my friend Justin <laughs> huh. in Phoenix, Arizona in yeah. college. Yeah. And his mom was like, hey, we're going away for a couple of days. You guys have the house. Don't burn it down. I made a meatloaf for you. I was like, oh, shit. I don't want meatloaf. <laughs> you didn't know what you were missing. And I had a slice of meatloaf. And I was like, this is a taste sensation. Yeah. There's so much stuff. So I got the recipe from her. It's a hearty home cooking kind of thing. She did it with uh, ground beef and like a pound of Jimmy Dean sausage. It was Ooh, her pork. Wow. Over the years, that that recipe resu- involves draining the grease off multiple times throughout the baking process so you don't light the oven on fire. Okay. Uh, we have switched the America's Test Kitchen recipe, uh, which uh, uses pork, beef, mostly beef. It's like, I, I don't remember off the top of my head. You can look it up on the internet. But uh, their recipe was like two parts beef, one part pork half a part veal. Ooh. I'm a little like, I'm usually down with eating small animals, but the veal is a little rough. So we don't usually do the veal, but just the pork and the beef is, is real good. Um, and it gives it a little bit more of a, um, I don't know. It just has a little bit more of, it has a porky flavor. Who doesn't love a little pork? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's where I'm at. What's your feeling on ketchup? Does it belong? I like a glaze that has based on ketchup. Okay. But I'll put like a little cider vinegar, some Worcestershire, maybe okay, a little brown yeah. sugar, molasses in there. Mix it all up. Heat it up. I want to fill that out a little bit. Yeah. I, I, so the other controversial thing about the American Test Kitchen recipe is they do a mound too. They don't do it in a, in a oh. thing so it can drain. Huh. So you don't, it's not super greasy. So are they not binding it with like bread crumbs or something? Yeah, there's panko. Oh. Okay. Um, panko. I don't think they do mushrooms. I like a mushroom in there. Ooh. But like a panko um, and egg, oh, egg yolks. I haven't eaten lunch yet. You need this to make some meatloaf. Sounds really. <laughs> Got to get out of here. The gotta, best part about the meatloaf, some meatloaf is the meatloaf sando. Get a nice crusty French bread, slice of meatloaf. Yes. Some mayonnaise, some ketchup. A oh, meatloaf sandwich, yeah. as a wise man once said. Yeah. That sounds that sounds really good. Um, thanks for sending letters, everybody. Yeah. We got yes. a lot of good ones this week. Yes, we did. We got more than we had time to read. Uh, we will do Save more for next time. More Q's and A's yeah. uh, in another month. Uh, but if you like the show, uh, send us a message on Twitter. We're Sweatpants Tech Pod. Or uh, I'm Will Smith. Yes, I'm Brad Shoemaker. iTunes reviews are good. iTunes reviews. It turns out, telling your friends. Yeah. I saw a lot of people telling their friends on Twitter about the podcast this week, and that made me very happy. Yeah. So keep that up. Let's get you know, let's get Sweatpants Tech Pod trending so people are really fucking confused. Highly gratifying yeah. to know that anybody listens to this. Yeah, thing. that's exactly it. We'll see you all next week. Bye.